Hello, and welcome to the Meltdown City Podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Allie. This podcast is about getting unstuck out of your comfort zone and changing things up, all while not taking yourself too seriously, or us either. Come laugh, get inspired, and have fun. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Meltdown City Podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Allie. Today, we are talking to Aaron Schlein. He is the host of the successful Family Travel Radio, a weekly podcast presented by the Family Travel Association. Aaron is also a speaker who has spoken at international events, including the New York Times Travel Show, Travel Con, and the Family Travel Association Summit. You can connect with Aaron at AaronSchlein.com or Aaron Schlein on Instagram and Facebook. He's also a family man married with two kids. We are talking to him from Sacramento, California. What's up, Aaron? Welcome to the show. Thanks, ladies. Allie, Nicole, it's a pleasure to be here. Been listening to you guys for a while. I really love what you're doing. And I feel like I've been a part of the story, really, since the very beginning. I met Nicole TravelCon 2018 before the Meltdown City podcast even launched. So I feel like I'm somehow woven into the fabric of your story. You absolutely are. You are. That's so incredible. It's awesome. When, Thanks, when, Aaron. Thanks so much. He's actually edited a, an episode of the show, so he's been integrated in the behind the scenes before. That, um, That's cool. Yeah, we don't need to mention which episode or exactly what was <laughs> catastrophically wrong with the audio before he sent it to me, but <laughs> it was it was bad. It was so wrong. Um, I'm yes, like you said, I first met Aaron at TravelCon, and when we got to talking. I, he was talking about his transformational story, like post 40, and I was really inspired and I wanted to know, and I thought everybody else who, who's in our audience or podcast land, like, how did you get started on this journey of transformation? Well, I, I'm not sure if it's a coincidence that this happened post 40, but looking back on it and meeting other people, you know, like yourself, there, it may not be a coincidence after all. There were a few events that, that happened, I think that were that really kind of got me started. And it took me a while to, to, it took me a while to really realize what was, what was happening to me at the time. It's only really through reflection that I, I realized what was going on. So I'm, I'll try to summarize the story as quickly as I possibly, as I possibly can. So going back to my, my childhood, I, I did a lot of traveling with my grandmother and a lot of people have memories, strong memories about their, their grandmothers that, their cooking or their knack for saying and making inappropriate comments in mixed company. And my grandma definitely had both of those, but travel, (laughs) travel was the big one. She took me, she took me on several trips overseas when I was a teenager and those trips that time spent with her and that time spent overseas had a remarkable impact on my life, but I didn't appreciate it. I didn't appreciate it until much later because I traveled solo and I traveled with friends when I was in my 20s in college. It took a, a full summers off backpacking through Europe and I was just really proud of myself. I gave myself a big pat on the back for being such an adventurous guy and having this adventurous spirit. But what I, I later came to realize was that adventurous spirit wasn't something that I was born with. It was actually something that I that I learned, and it was because of those trips with my grandmother that I was able to develop that confidence and that desire to to take those more adventurous trips as I you know as I grew into adulthood. 
So then flash forward to just a couple of years ago, my grandmother was in the final years of her life and I felt even more, I felt compelled to share my story, to show my, share my story of how I was inspired and how my life had been transformed through travel with my, with my grandmother. And what I wanted to do was write a book. I was a very traditional outlet. I really hadn't entered into the, the podcast realm yet. I really didn't really even know much about podcasts. So I set out to write a book and I was reaching out to people because I wanted to share other people's stories of inspiration as well as share my own story of, of inspiration to really get out the message of why we as parents should be traveling with our kids. And I couldn't get anybody to give me the time of day. I could set reaching out to people for say, Hey, can I have 45 minutes or an hour of your time? I'd like to chat about, about your travels for this book I'm writing, et cetera, et cetera. I'd send emails to, to just really anyone I could, I could find, whether it was on social media or on the web, I couldn't get anybody to return my emails. So I was listening to a podcast one day podcast was called Entrepreneurs on Fire. The host is named, his host's name is John Lee Dumas. He did a daily podcast for, for many, many years, 2,000 days in a row. He released a daily episode of this Dang, podcast. that's a lot. Yeah, JLD. Right? You got it. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's, he, I really owe a lot. You know, it's kind of a sidebar story, but a lot of my story, he's very integral to my story. So I'm going to try to kind of race to the end here. Well, he said something on one of his episodes one day, he was kind of musing about his success as a podcaster because he grew from from nothing. I mean, he, he started from absolute scratch in the podcasting niche and became a multimillionaire within the course of just a few years, all on the back of this podcast. And what he said that really just kind of struck a nerve with me was having a podcast makes people pay attention to you. And I, I really thought about it and it's worth repeating that sentence. So I'm going to Having a podcast (laughs) makes people pay attention to you. So in that moment, I kind of knew what I had to do, or at least I knew what I wanted to do. I was going to scrap the book idea. And instead of writing a book, I was going to start a podcast. I still had the same mission. I still wanted to connect with like-minded people who believed in the value of travel. And I wanted to share my story and I wanted to share their stories. But I decided, forget about, let's forget about this book thing for a while. Let's try this, this podcasting angle. And sure as hell, Nicole and Allie, just within a couple of days, I had sent out really similar emails, those same dozens of emails that I'd been sending to people trying to get them to give me some time to talk about a book. And I literally, I'm not kidding. I just changed the word book in the email text to the word podcast. And the replies started pouring in dozens of, you know, within a, within a couple of weeks, I had probably a dozen people lined up to interview them for a podcast that didn't actually even exist yet. So I had proven the concept that yes, having a podcast makes people pay attention to you. That is crazy. That, that, That's that amazing. Just one, one thing that you did all, completely altered your path, but also like you, you know, op- this opened this door for you. That's just insane and amazing. It, it was amazing. And it's, and it's, it's really, that's, that was the beginning of the transformation, you know, going back to your original question. I wasn't necessarily seeking trans or transformation per se. I was just saying, Hey, I was thinking it would be neat to kind of write a book as a creative outlet. Little did I know that when I got that little, they knocked over that first little domino that it would just create, have this incredible ripple effect that now two years later, I'm, hosting and producing a podcast for the largest 
to Family Travel Trade Association. I've spoken on stages, like you said in the intro from New York Times, spoken on stage in the Family Travel Summit in Bermuda. I just got back from South Dakota a couple of weeks ago, and I've recently gotten hired as a podcast consultant for a travel marketing firm. And it all just goes back to that one little moment where I wanted to just write a book and share a story. I put myself out there and little little over two years later, all this is happening. It's fucking incredible. <laughs> That's amazing. That is ask- so amazing. Go ahead, Allie. I was just going to say, can I ask you a couple of questions about your story, about your yeah. grandmother and traveling with her? Do you, so you went overseas. Can you tell us a little bit about how far you guys went together? Because I'm just wondering if the distance you went like made an impact on, you know, how adventurous you were to become later in life. Sure. The first trip we took was to London. That was just, uh, that was this kind of getting, you know, getting the ball rolling, traveling to London. If you've, mm-hmm. if you've been, you, Nicole, Allie, you've been to London. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly, fairly easy to get around, fairly straightforward. They, they talk mm-hmm. with an accent, they drive on the other side of the road, but fairly simple and straightforward. That, that wet the appetite, but the trip that really, really, really just kind of shook my, my world to the core would happen the following year. I was 13. So this is 1990. I was 13 years old. The uh, the Soviet Union was still u- unified for just a short time. It was actually just about to to fall just a year later. But I went to Soviet Russia in 1990 with my grandmother with a group of teachers. That so I don't even remember. I don't know all the politics behind it. But you had to have special visas to get in the country back then. More mm-hmm. more so even than now. And she was able to tag on to this group of teachers from Dallas, Texas, where she lived, who were going over to Russia for a 13 day or 13 or 14 day trip. And Mm -hmm. that trip just absolutely blew my mind. And it still kind of blows my mind a little bit, even to this day, thinking back that I was able to have that experience. Cause I grew up in Orange County, California, surfer kid, you know, shorts and, you know, shorts and t-shirts and Nike Nike sneakers and ball caps, just very quintessential American suburban dude. And I'm over there in Russia in the middle of, right at the end of their winter, it's still really cold. And the Russian kids, I remember them just kind of staring at me. I was this novelty. (laughs) It It really was bizarre. And they followed me around, not in like a creepy sort of way, but just in, they were awestruck. And I couldn't I just couldn't shake that feeling that like, I'm looking at them like, these are just kids. Like for all intents and purposes, we're exactly the same, but I'm, they looked at me like I was from another planet. And in those moments is when I realized that just how much we can all learn and grow by spending time with other people in other cultures and other countries. Yeah. And then- and then from there, sorry. And then from there on, we did some other travel too. We went to South America. We went to to Asia, and then to Australia, New Zealand. But the the real impact, the real kind of aha moments, came in Russia. That's really good to hear because I think that sometimes you know you hear people say, "Oh, I'm not going to take my kids until they're older, until they can really appreciate it." And so you're like, "Oh yeah, maybe I'll save my money and I won't take my family out traveling." But this is definitely a, a story that's contrary to that. Well, I, and I can relate to that to some degree, but I also feel like there's a selfishness to it that none of us are immune from, by the way. I'm not trying to get up on a soapbox about then saying that I'm somehow less selfish than other people. But I think parents, we often want this instant gratification. Like if my kid's going to have a transformational moment, I want to see it. I want to be there. I want to mm. watch it happen. Where mm-hmm. my, I was experiencing these transformational moments, but the real 
recognition and the the appreciation didn't come till years later. Fortunately, my grandmother was still alive mm-hmm. when I came to those conclusions and I was able to go back and really express the gratitude to her more so than I ever had in the past. But I think as parents, we want to you know, take our five or six-year-old kids to someplace cool and then just immediately see this transformation in them. And that's just not realistic. Oftentimes yeah. you're planting seeds that may not grow till, till years later. Right. Mm. That's amazing. Erin, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. And you, you're, can you talk about your podcast and like now you're on this kind of entrepreneurial journey? Like how has that experience been for you? That, that experience has been a, a roller coaster and it's, it's, it's interesting. And, and I, the, the problems I'm having now, it's, it's very, they're very first world. Cause I feel like someone who's really trying to, to bootstrap themselves in, in, into an entrepreneurial venture would be thrilled to have the problems that I'm having right now. But <laughs> I have, I have a full-time job. I have no, I have no want for money. That's just, that's just a fact. I don't wear it as a badge of honor necessarily, but like, it's not about the money. My entrepreneurial venture, and especially the, the kind of the crossroads where I'm at right now, is I want to. My goal has always been to to create add as much value to the world as possible, and to create something that's scalable, to where I'm going to continue, hopefully, through my story and through my actions and through the content that I create and whatever, you know, the the company that I build, whatever future offerings we we put out into the world that we continue to add value and continue to scale and hopefully change lives for for generations to come and that and that and that's where I'm at so that's the it's I, I never really had to go through so much of the like the down in the my parents basement you know scraping together eating ramen noodles for five years while I built my company <laughs> and you know what and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because you hear stories about from people say that's the reason why I was able to, to to finally break out was because I put all that time down there in the trenches. So, but right now I'm I'm really just looking for ways to create value and also create the life and the lifestyle that I want for myself and my family because I haven't really mentioned my family much yet in this interview, but I've got a wife, I've got two kids, six and a half and four, and I want to spend as much time with them as I can, and I don't want to create something some some business that suddenly becomes like a second job for me to where I'm just not happy at all I want to create I want to create happiness not not a take away tra- from not, it yes 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 wow um so tell us how what were you doing before you had your epiphany with your grandma that kind of sparked this awesome transformation in your life I was just a, a kind of a nine to five dad. And I never really growing up, I never really saw myself as that being my future. And I wasn't, I can't even say, I can't say that I was unhappy because I, I really wasn't. I just was, you know, I've heard you guys talk about getting unstuck. I was a little stuck, but I wasn't miserably stuck. I was a reasonably happy, happy dude. And then when I feel like I started to actually when I first got involved and first started going down this entrepreneurial road, I actually got less happy in the beginning because I think mm. I, re- I, I realized, you know, there was all, there's this whole world out there of opportunity to create and, and grow personally. And then also create, create content and create value and make connections that I 
had left all this time on the table, this last decade of my life that I'd dedicated mostly to my career and then, and also my family as well. But like, man, I, this has been here this whole time. And I, I just feel like I'd kind of wasted so much of my potential and it took me a while to get over that. And I, cause I think I went, I went too deep early on. I went, I swung way too far to one side that that one side being I, I worked on my business too much. I got, I was too obsessed in it. I neglected some of my most basic duties in life as a, as a husband and a father. And I, it took me a while to work through that and, and come back hopefully to center, which is where I, I feel like I am now. I can't say that I'll stay here forever, but I've, I, and I owe a lot of that to my wife for being patient with me and giving me tough love when I needed it. Cause I sure as hell needed some, it's not, <laughs> this isn't, there's no playbook for this. Like you, you, it's just, it's day to day. You're making it up as you go and you make a ton of mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, that's but awesome. we we learn from them, so that's the the beauty of it. it sure is, and and we find and we we have partners who <laughs> who have the patience to to hang in there with us. That's yeah, you know, those are people you hang on to. Yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. So anyway, um, what has been the scariest part of this journey? Like in your, have you put yourself out there to a place where? you felt like really vulnerable and you're like, Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. It was like, you have any feelings of regrets or anything like that. I don't have any regrets. You ask about scary things. There's, there's really two. And one of them's kind of higher level philosophical. And one of them's more like tangible. The tangible one is I was really scared about my, my world's colliding. Cause I, I, my, podcast slash entrepreneurship speaker life was very, and still is very separate from my professional life. And I, and honestly, to this day, I still have some, there's some nerves there about those two worlds colliding. I do tell people in my professional life a little bit about what I do. It's not like this deep, dark secret, but I really don't like to talk about it much because, you know, that's the worst. The last thing I want to happen is, you know, I, I, I miss a deadline at work and they're like, Oh, it must be your podcast. Huh? No, no, no. I don't, I just don't want those worlds colliding. So that's the tangible fear. The higher level fear is not, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous saying it out loud, but it's like not living long enough to see my vision fulfilled. It's, and I feel, I, I feel like it, or I treat it in a similar way as like not living long enough to see your kids grow. You know, I don't want, I feel like I've come this far and I've got this vision and I want to, like, I feel like, I always feel like I'm like right on the cusp of, of a watershed moment. And I just, I want to live long enough to see that watershed moment. And I have these fears that like, I'm just going to die and everything I've worked for is just going to evaporate in, in much in the way that like, if you don't live to see your kids grow up, it's terrifying. Mm. Wow. That is yeah. a really deep fear. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. What is the dream? What is the fulfillment part? The dream and the fulfillment comes ideally. The dream it's going to come in from reverse engineering, being able to successfully reverse engineer the life and the lifestyle that I want for my myself and my family, and to do that in a way that, or, or to do that using means that adds that that value to the world. And that's, that's a term that gets tossed around a lot, adding value. It's, it's very kind of cliche in the entrepreneurial, in the entrepreneurial universe. So I'll dig into that a little bit more. I want more 
parents traveling with their kids. I want more kids of all ages being exposed to, to different cultures, different countries. And I want them being pushed outside their comfort zone, much in the way that I'm pushing myself outside my comfort zone. And you two ladies are, have been pushing yourselves outside your comfort zone for the last couple of years because we know that the growth that can come from it. And I think travel, especially with young kids is one of the most powerful tools, most powerful experiences that we can share with our kids. That's going to have long-term effects, long lasting effects, because they're going to grow up into, they're going to have, their worldviews are going to be different as adults yeah. because of the travel they did when they were kids. And then that's, mm -hmm. they're going to touch other lives. And you imagine just, you know, within a couple of generations that the, the butterfly effect, the ripple effect from this could be, could be remarkable. And I just want to touch as many lives as I can get inside as many people's heads as I can with my message that travel really is a silver bullet to, to bringing down all the, all the hatred and misunderstanding that's kind of taken over our world at the moment. You know, you're right about that. Cause I remember we traveled to the Philippines, which is where my husband's from when my son was only one and a half or, or so. And also went to Mexico when he was young too. And we, we noticed that he, you know, he could barely talk or, you know, but he was, he was really changing and picking up a lot of stuff. And it, it just almost like accelerated his ability to learn um, whenever we'd kind of take him out of his comfort zone and do something different and go someplace different. So yeah, you're right about that. It's a really I good love, thing to bring up. Well, I love that. <laughs> and I love that you did that. That's, that's one of the, that's one of those things that you hear from people a lot. You said your son was only one and a half. That's so young. And people hear a lot of people say, you know, I don't want to take, I don't want to travel with my kids because they're so young. They're not even going to remember it. And my response to them is, and I'm no psychologist. I don't study the human brain or anything, but my response is you don't not talk to babies because they can't understand you. Mm -hmm. You talk to them so they can understand you. And it's kind of the same with travel. You travel with them, even if they don't remember it, because you're creating you're, you know, there's things firing in their brain, even at a year and a half in the Philippines in this different, this, this environment that's so different than what they're used to. Like things are happening in their brain that we can't even really comprehend. And in my view, it's, it's very positive just the way you described. Yeah, that's great. Can I ask you a question, Aaron? Um, what do you tell, like, you know, there might be some skeptics out there that think, oh, I can't do that. Like they're, obstacles that they can't um they say, oh I, can't, I just can't do it with my my kids like what um are there any things that you recommend to parents there's like incentives beyond beyond this expanding your kids minds but like that you actually can go travel like it's affordable or you can figure out ways or like you have sort of any um suggestions in your toolbox well i try not to Generally, I try not to play up the the international aspect of, of my travel history so much because I believe that all travel is incredibly value, excuse me, incredibly valuable. And some parents either aren't interested or they can't afford international travel. And to them, I say, especially here in California and up even up where you are, that we're so lucky. There's so many wonderful experiences within just short drives from our home, but just taking your kids outside their comfort zone, which can be in some cases, you know, half hour, hour away, go, go to a state park, go to, to someplace different. And hopefully over time, your kids and 
or the, the kids and the parents will have a desire to slowly ratchet up the adventure. You know, I don't expect someone who's never, you know, who doesn't have a passport to suddenly just pick up and take their kids to Southeast Asia. It's just not, it's not likely. I'm not saying it couldn't be done, but it's, it's just unlikely. So I, I suggest starting small and, and, and working up from there. But at the end of the day, and this is something that I'm really just kind of accepting now is that there are people that you're just not going to reach. And the only thing I feel like I can do in those situations is continue to do what I do and continue to share. And, you know, maybe over time kind of be breakthrough to some of those people, but there there's people there who believe just as strong, who believe in that we shouldn't be traveling. They believe in that just as strongly as I believe that we should be traveling. And that's, that's, that's a tough nut to crack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The world is so so scary out there. Why would you do that? Right, and, and, I, and I, my kids are in private school, and there's a lot of parents that that's the reason their kids are in private school is because they want to build a thick bubble around their kids. Mm, wow, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I can just say from my personal experience that travel has had a huge impact on my life, how I view the world, how I view people, how I view cultures how I view language. Um, and it, it's all positively impacted my life. So I, I don't have kids, but, um, I know that the power of, of travel is, is it's transformational. So it's beautiful, Aaron. Aaron, how, what are your, what are your favorite like travel memories with you and your family? Where are the, where are the favorite th- places that you've been to? I have a sentimental, so for the first five years, so my, my son's birthday is in April and it always falls around spring break. So uh, for those first five birthdays, we went to Yosemite National Park, which is one of those great examples for me. It's a, it's a three hour drive and mm-hmm. we just have just a kind of some sweet, sentimental family memories. But then last year on his sixth birthday, we took him to London. We took both of my kids to London. My son had mm-hmm. had mentioned, it said that he wanted to go to London, not because of anything profound, but he saw it in a movie. He saw it in Mary Poppins. And I said, you know what? Who the hell am I to say no? If my if my kid says he wants to go to London, so we did it. And mm-hmm. it was a it was a challenging trip. It was, it was <laughs> mainly just because of like jet lag and stuff like that. It really had nothing to do with the, the, the actual travel itself. It's just, you know, when you had a... Th- my daughter was three at the time. My son had just turned six and jet lag plays hell on everybody. And when they're that yeah. little and they really don't know what's going on, you know, it's, it messed with them. But that was a couple of days of a, of an eight day trip. And we look back on it now and we learned so much and we were the, you know, we were the parents. We thought we had it all together. We were so proud of ourselves, still are proud of ourselves, but you know, thinking we're like, we're, we're setting this great example. And even though I wouldn't change a thing, we learned a lot on that trip and we're going to hopefully take some of that knowledge and put it to good use because we're taking our kids to to Paris and to Normandy, France next April for my son's birthday. That's wonderful. I love That's that. Amazing. Also chosen by him because he loves pictures of the Eiffel Tower. You don't really need. What else do you need? <laughs> yeah, it's Just beautiful. It. Yep, that's fantastic. When, what do you What do you think your daughter's going to pick when she starts picking? She's been saying Japan and that's because of, they've been watching these anime, Japanese anime movies and now she wants to go to Japan. Again, it's like, if you just like listen to your kids or tune in 
and not overthink, you know, where should we take them? Where should we go? And sometimes it could be something as simple as, Hey dad, I want to go to Japan. Why? I saw it in a movie. Okay. Good enough for me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Rather than me always having to like come up with these, like, that's another thing I think a lot of parents do. I mean, there's a million, don't get me wrong. There are just a million obstacles to getting out the door for parents. And I'm by no means immune to it. But one of those things is, is just overthinking it. You know, we only have a week or we only have two weeks. Where should we go? What should we do? How much should we spend? And you, you can really work yourself into a frenzy over it. So just know it, just giving yourself a, a little bit of break of a break and assuming that you're always going to have opportunities to go to all the other places sometime later in your life. Just take some of the pressure off and just go wherever seems cool, especially if it's someplace your kids want to go. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you one more question about your grandmother? Yeah. <clears throat> Were you particularly close to her before you started traveling with her? And is that something that you would, your like your children's grandparents would ever do with them? My, so my, my relationship with my grandmother is just fun. It's fundamentally different than my kids relationship with their grandparents because both all four of my kids' grandparents are, are super local. They see them all the time. And right. my grandmother, I, like I said earlier, I grew up in Southern California and my grandparents were in Texas. So it was always special to get together with them. It was only happened two, maybe three times a year. And it was always a big deal. And she just doted on my sister and me. We were her only two grandkids. So that helped. We didn't have to share mm-hmm. her with you know dozens of cousins like, like some people do. And we always, I always felt the love from her. She was, she was always incredibly kind and sweet and generous to me. But those, when we started traveling together, when I became her travel buddy, as she always introduced me to her friends as her travel buddy, that, that, that really took what was already an, a wonderful and sweet grandmother, grandson relationship and just took it to a, just to new heights that, you know, that I hope, hope, hope that my kids will have similar relationships with their grandparents and with us, with my wife and myself, because I didn't do most of my traveling. I didn't do much traveling with my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, we When we traveled, it was usually just to see family. And I would love to have that, that little extra bond with my own kids that I had with my grandmother when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that it. sounds amazing. I wanted to just, <clears throat> oh yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, and the one thing that I always like to say about my grandmother, as much as I love her, she wasn't, this wasn't some intentional thing that she set out to do. I'm going to inspire my grandchildren and change their lives. She just wanted to spend time with us. And I think just as much in the way that I came to this realization later in life, how much these trips had impacted me, it wasn't until I communicated that to her that I think even she realized what she had done. Because to her, right. it was always just about spending time with us. And then I was able to to verbalize it to her, what she had done. I think I think even she was kind of taken aback by that. Like, wow, I holy shit, I didn't even really, that wasn't my intention. I just wanted to hang out with you guys. <laughs> but right. I did this? Oh my God. <laughs> That's so cute. I love that story. <clears throat> yeah. It's a really, it's amazing that, you know, and I'm assuming, I'm assuming this probably, does she have the same impact on your sister? As well, or did she go traveling? Did your sister go on trips with her too? She did, and I'm gonna. And the answer, the short answer is no. And my hypothesis is, so my grandmother, outside of after the Russia trip, she chose that. Look, she chose that destination. But after that, every trip we took, she let me pick, and I kept going a little more extreme or a little more interesting. Let's go to Asia. Let's go to South America. So we went to Brazil. 
and Argentina. I kept telling her that I wanted her to take me to Antarctica. We never made it there. But um, my sister, on the other hand, she went to Hawaii and she went to the Caribbean and she did sort of these kind of softer, just laid back, chilling sort of, you know, white or no white bikini vacations, whatever you want to call them. And it wasn't yeah. that they didn't enjoy the time together. It just, the, the destinations, the experiences weren't, didn't have that transformational impact that I could see. So there's nothing, nothing against my sister, but I think the, the choices of destinations really played a part in, in the bonding between my grandma and me. Like we were, we were in, in the Soviet union, like we were in the shit together. You know, it was, it was, it was a trip. It really was. And, and as, as prepared as she may have been for it, she still, it still gets your attention. And then I'm there 13 years old. She was my sole caretaker. Like it, it brought us together. Like, like a few things can. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. Aaron. I wanted to just go back to your story again. Sorry. I know we've been sort of weaving around, but you are like, what has been the greatest thing that you've, that's come out of your, this podcast journey, this journey of entrepreneurship, like what's been the most rewarding? Being going back to uh, having people pay attention to you. It's, it's flattering to put something out there without knowing how people are going to or without knowing how your message is going to be received, knowing how I as a human being is going to, are going to be received. And then within a relatively short time being asked and not just asked, being paid to come to events and speak and share my story, share my message, share my expertise on, on podcasting and other things. That is really where your your idea, your existence, your effort gets validated. And it sounds, I don't know, maybe a little narcissistic, but it's just having having people go out of their way and spend money, invest money to have me come and speak at an event or to help them start their podcast. That's just, it's incredibly rewarding. And it's just so, it's, it's incredibly energizing as well to know that somebody sees value in what you do and they want to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've been on this, like you took like a total different chain, like a career, different trajectory, maybe 18 to 18 months to what, two and a half years ago. And here you are, you've done all this personal growth and now people are recognizing that and showing up for that. And I just think that's super inspirational. That's what we talk about a lot is pushing yourself out there. So to try to do something new and then here you are, you're doing it. Now you're like the expert in the room and people are going after you for your advice and your content and your point of view. And that's true. But there's also, it's just exactly what you said. And we've talked about this privately, just the importance of showing up every day of getting up off the mat every time you get knocked down. Cause I can't go back and point back to one thing like, Oh, Aaron, what was your secret? What's the secret sauce? I was like, I just kept going. I just kept going. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I tried over the last two years that was just shit. And I just, but I didn't get too discouraged by it. I just said, okay, that didn't work. That was lame. And I just kept moving on. And, and eventually if you keep at it and you connect with the right people and you just stay true to yourself, you know, it's going to, good things are going to start happening, but it's, it just doesn't happen straight out of the gates. And I think a lot of people throw in the towel way too early. And years ago, I might've been one of those people, honestly, I think there's a good reason why 
this happened to me at this stage in my life, going back to the very beginning of our conversation about you know this post 40 change. I think one of the reasons why this is happening now is because I've had the the experience, like the previous life experience to to have the patience to hunker down for the long haul. I realized that two or five or 10 years isn't an eternity where when you're in your twenties, like 10 years might as well be a million. It's like, I, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I can have that long-term mindset. <laughs> That's absolutely uh, true. That's funny. <laughs> God bless uh, our 20s. 20 and 40, way different. Thank God. Oh, yeah. Um, Allie, what was it that you said last week on one of our podcasts? It was like, your your motto is like, you spend your 20s. I don't want to rob it from you. You should say what it is. Oh, oh. Um, gosh, you spend the first half of your life trying to fit in and the last half of your life trying to stand out. Because, you know, when just when you're a kid, you don't, nobody wants to be different. You want to fit in and, you know, that's how you feel, feel best and feel comfortable. But when you get a little older, you all, you just want to be different and find who you are, which I think is brilliant. Well, stated. I'm all for that. And the, the secret is, and I think the three of us and people like us have, I'd love to see us take on this challenge is how do we speed up the evolution of our, of our children to, to help them get to some of those points quicker in life. I'm not convinced it's possible, but like how, how, like how unstoppable would like an 18 year old be if they had the confidence and of a, of a 40 year old or of a 50 or 60 year old to just know that I don't care if I fall on my face. Cause I'm just going to get up again and try as opposed to being like overly concerned about what the world thinks about them. Uh-huh. No, I'm, I'm like, well, they, that person did exist, and that's Elon Musk. <laughs> How do but, we bottle up that Musk, then? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's just really, I guess it feels like individually indi- individually um, independent, you know, just sort of person dependent is what I was trying to say. So, I don't know. But great question. I don't know. How do you, how do you bottle it up? I don't Maybe like the only thing I, I the only thing that leaps to mind is to like have your kids fail as much as they possibly can when they're little, but then that seems cruel and might have the opposite effect of what you're after. Because to me, it's the failures, and then getting through the failures, and you realize, okay, I didn't die. That didn't go the way I wanted it to, and I'm a little embarrassed, but you know what? I'm still here. That didn't kill me. Where you know, when you're a teenager, you. There's just things that you think if this thing happens, like I'm just going to shrivel up and die and you won't, but you don't know that you don't appreciate it until much later in life. Yeah, that's a hard one. I'd have to think about that for a little while because I think we've heard, you know, youth is wasted on the young. And then that Rod Stewart song, I think where he talks about, or maybe it's the Rolling Stones where I like, if I knew what I, you know, Oh God, it's such a good quote. Um, Just about like knowing if I knew, you know, when I was young, what I know now, Mm -hmm. you know, your life would be completely different. Yeah. Um, And, but that is a really, really, really interesting question. We should get back to Aaron on that one in like six months. Yeah. (laughs) I think we could write a thesis on that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's all sit down and just meditate on that one for a while. Yeah. I don't know if, it, I, I don't know if I'd want that for my kids, to be honest with you. I, I, cause I loved like all of the ups and downs and interesting parts of awkward, you know, growing upness. And I don't know, but, and then, you know, you hear about these kids who are like 
12 years old who are just entrepreneurs and, you know, Instagram legends and millionaire. I mean, like there's so many young people that are just doing that and just being successful and finding what their passion is at such a young age. And I think maybe if, if you distill it down, it might be about passion, finding your passion at a very early age and just living that dream earlier. Um, but anyway, that's a very good question. We should think on it. Well, you also mm. made a good point because with that might come, like I said earlier, the backfire. You know, if you're if you rob rob kids of those experiences that eventually build them up to where that you know where we are now in our forties. If you rob them of those experiences, then that could have an adverse effect, and it could just throw the whole universe off its axis. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know exactly. about that. I'm scared about that. <laughs> the universe coming off its axis. Um, hey, Aaron. Does universe even have an axis? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't no, know. the earth has an axis. Yes. Right. Let's think it about this. It. It's just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> it's infinite. That's all I know. It's out there. And I'm sure it's on a million axes. <clears throat> so, have there been any resources? For you that have been helpful along your sort of transformational journey, you mentioned our entrepreneur on entrepreneurs on fire. Is there anything else that's been um, helpful to you along this along this way? This is a tough one because I can't. There's nothing that really just pops to mind and say says yeah that was that was the one. But you, know, you heard me talking about about the John the John Lee Dumas quote about podcasting and I'd say just podcasting in general, the fact that podcasting exists, the fact that podcasting is a thing has been the, the, without question, the biggest resource. Cause like my story, I'm not sure my story could have been written 20 years ago. I don't know what my, I don't know what my podcasting would have been in that situation. So these days it really is more about, it's less about like tools and tax and resources even, and more just about just getting up every day and going after it and and not hesitating to just throw something out there and see if it works. And I, I write every day. I think about my podcast every day. And once you know, I set just setting intentions in my mind helps me just seems to pop the right answers into my head. They don't always come to me at the moment I want them to, but just I set a lot of intentions and over time, my 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 brain goes to work for me. I know you guys talk about this probably a lot more eloquently than I am now, but just being real intentional with your mind about where you're headed and the ideas come, the inspiration comes. And if you keep showing up every day, the, the success will likely come as well. Mm. One of the things that I say is, and I'm sure somebody else said this, I don't know where it came from, but like your mind believes what you tell it. You know, so like this sort of intentional, I try to be intentional on, on what I tell myself because otherwise I'm going to believe if it's impossible, I'm, I'm, it is impossible. If it is possible, it's possible. Sounds so hokey, but. Well, it, there's the, uh, there's the, cl- the classic quote. I'm sure you've heard it before, but if the quote goes, if you, you think you can do it or you think you can't, you're right. Oh, exactly. oh good one. I don't, I haven't, I don't think I've heard that. Um, any last words for our listeners out there, Aaron? Believe in yourself. Surround yourself with with like-minded people. And I can't, you know, I can't manufacture 
the type of, of support system I have in my life because I don't want to downplay that. I don't have that rags to riches story. I never sat in a <clears throat> in a bunker and ate top ramen for, for <laughs> weeks or years on end. I just don't have that story. I'm a regular middle class guy. I don't hurt for money. I've got a great family support system around me. But the word words of advice are if you don't have the right people around you now, take action yesterday and start surrounding yourself with with the right people, whether that's reaching out to, to meetup groups or going to going to conferences or, or getting engaged in social media and Facebook groups. It's never been easier to connect with like-minded people because the right people around you can you just can't quantify the the amount of positive impact that that can have over the long term. And the same is true for the for the wrong people. Because if you have the wrong people chirping in your ear saying that you can't do it, that you're not good enough, that you know that no, who's going to listen to you? What makes you an, an authority on this? What what business do you have on a stage or behind a mic or starting a podcast? If those people are in your life, you're gonna you're just you're just gonna crumble. You're never gonna make it. So find the right people and do the best you can to separate yourself from the wrong ones. Well, good advice. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on our show, Aaron. We are so grateful. We had such a fun time talking to you and learned a lot about your story, your personal journey. And um, I'm sure everybody um, in podcast land appreciated it. So thank you so much. Absolutely. I hope hope everyone enjoyed it as much as I did. You guys are awesome. Keep rocking. Thanks, Aaron. Have a good night. Okay. Peace out. Thanks for tuning in today. Please follow us on Instagram at Meltdown City Podcast or on Facebook at Meltdown City Podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter at Meltdown City Pod. Come check out our website, MeltdownCityPodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on wherever you listen to our podcasts. You can email us at MeltdownCityPodcast at gmail.com for any stories, suggestions, or comments, and we'll read them on the air. Thanks for listening.